the, the ability. Before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Football Index podcast is supported by Football Index Trader, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. This week, he considered one of the biggest questions right now is, FI a safe place? Put your money. This was widely shared and lots of people found it helpful, um, helping them understand what was going through this unsettling market. This article is free and can be found on bit.ly forward slash 3jjyemd. And if you want to see some more, an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast episode 157, hopefully a more serious and FI related one than the previous Figcast Extra that's just gone out on Thursday, which was a great laugh, some decent insight in there as well, but uh, I think people enjoyed it overall, but hopefully next week we get down to more index and football related stuff. Last week I was joined by Duncan Mabry for a great chat, I really enjoyed that, some debates in there over the implementations of order books and also kind of what things FI will look to implement in the future and what order they will look to implement those things in. Today I'm joined by debutant, long-awaited debutant. In fact, I've been trying to get this guy on for about four years. Uh, football indexer. How are you doing, mate? Not bad yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, as you say, it's been a, a long time in the making. More on my side, me bailing off uh, in between a sabbatical as a football index. So it's a pleasure to finally be on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. I mean, we've met at uh, trader meets. We've uh, chatted on Twitter for a while. You've been on the on the football index scene since you know twenty twenty sixteen. But I'd love to hear a bit more about your your football index journey and a bit more about yourself and your your background as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, as you say, two thousand and sixteen. Um, back then, I think it was I had about the price of a round of drinks in football index. Sort of switched off when there wasn't the the instant stone into sell and turned it back on about six months later and saw that it had gone to about the two the price of two rounds of drinks and the current price of a freddo so realized that something had changed um and there was massive growth so sort of beginning of 2017 started uh, putting more money in started joining community on twitter as you say speaking to guys such yourself and then sort of see the returns and platform growth from there um over that time between 2017 and now there's been parts where I've been on it uh, heavily and then due to work commitments and other stuff taking taking breaks um so currently around now is like mid five figure portfolio uh, building up to where it sort of used to be um I think covid's given an opportunity to to come back and do a few bits that not being in an office all day and also fundamentally as we spoke the changes in the market and I think the opportunities are there uh, are probably the biggest that I've seen uh, since joining yeah, I mean, that says a lot, right? I mean, a lot of people say that uh, they wish they joined earlier, that they, you know, they may have missed the boat, but that's kind of seemingly not true. And it seems that a lot of people joining now have probably got as big an opportunity as anyone ever. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the nature of football, uh, the platform, uh, there's opportunities always, be that new players, uh, changes in dividends. One of the things that's, that's noted for me from the start is, is the variety now of obviously earning returns from football index when we started it was very very much speculative and sort of a man united based football index with media to then performance buzz coming along and everyone sort of shitting the bed as to how that was going to change things and that's bedded in and now you've got obviously the, the shorter term trading uh, goals and assists and for me, I think uh, team of the month's gone a little bit under the radar, but as that beds in, again, a, a completely different dynamic to, to cater for. Yeah, I think, you know, there has been so much evolution since 2016. You think about a purely media buzz-based platform with 200 players on it to expanding into PB and the squads to then adding in-play dividends to now team of the month. The iterations mean that we now have, you know, from a dividend standpoint, an almost perfect platform. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, I remember heavily at the beginning was the amount of, as I say, transfer-based speculation. You'd get someone on Twitter, tweet something, see 10 seconds later, a massive spike, and, and sort of that's bedded in. Uh, the days of the likes of Musa Sissoko being linked to Chelsea and gaining 45% in the space of an hour, those things have matured and changed. Um, but I also think 
the ability to structure a portfolio to cater for different types of trading is far more expansive now than it, it was or has been previously. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, that that might change in the future and might iterate once more. There may be additional ways to win dividends in the future. We don't really know from the dividend standpoint how the product will iterate. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to see um, how, how that moves forward. But uh, we've got quite a few questions today and I think uh, people are going to enjoy this one. So uh, we'll get into them just after I plug the Patreon, which is uh, really excitingly has now got a year-long membership with a 15% discount if you guys are interested. So if you've been listening to me plug this thing relentlessly for the last, you know, how long is it? Three or so months? And you're like, ah, maybe to know if it's value for money, yada, yada, yada. Well, head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide. Check it out. And if you're like, well, you know, I can go for a year here and get 15% off. It's not that bad a deal. £3, £5, £8, and 12 tiers, uh, all with different great perks. So do go check it out for the best football index content around. Also going to plug the State of Play podcast, my other podcast about the top five leagues in Europe and a bit of the MLS. Head over to at State of Play pod on Twitter to check out that um so we've got some uh you know miscellaneous and nice questions well actually one here from fi and tonic in the discord now more than now more than well it's now more important than ever how do you value your holds? bloody hell tonic that's terribly worded uh, and also do spurs have the most exciting front three in the premier league and if so how does Mourinho nullify it so you know you've, you've been a you know avid spurs fan we've had spurs and arsenal debates that have raged for years and years now uh, excited about this season yeah cautiously excited been there before uh need some silverware really um Mourinho knows how to win i think it's a ticking time bomb as it always is with him he'll do a three-year stint and probably have a row of a physio on the way out and, and be restrained out of the building. But potentially that mid middle ground might return something. Bale coming back uh, a statement as if his, his, his knees stay and legs stay together. But I think even him on an 80% of what he used to be is a pretty formidable player. Um, Son's gone under the radar for many years and I think people are actually waking up to how good of a player he is and, and Kane's Kane. So we'll see. Um, excited. I went from being quite happy that uh, I wasn't going to be utilising my season ticket due to COVID because of how it looked a little while back to now. Uh, desperately keen to get back there and see some football. So I think we all are, but yeah. specifically that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit scared, you know, that you might do all right this season. Uh, but we'll see we'll see uh, what about uh you know valuing of your holds you know I mean we were talking off air that you are kind of more of a cyclical trader um by nature you, you like trading the cycles and trends and fixtures and so on and so forth how have you gone about uh valuing your your holds and your players that you've been buying since yeah so it's a good question I think as I said some of the, the breaks and stuff that were taken from from FI was more uh work-based or, or moving around whatnot but I think Coming back to that point about the, the different opportunities now and the ability to structure a portfolio differently, uh, I was heavily reliant in the beginning on like, speculation trading. I think at the end of uh, a point where I'd reached around like four hundred percent ROI, I looked into it and dividends only accounted for about two and a half, three percent of those returns. To now, and being a fulcrum of what I'm doing, uh, for me, I think there's easy patterns to pick up on. The likes of injury returns with a, a pretty low downside if you're getting them at the, the base. Um, but then also, as I say, there's there's some phenomenal data sets that are provided by both platforms. And if Twitter's used correctly, people doing their own work that, that can be used to, to fledge out a portfolio for things such as, as I say, uh, team of the month, et cetera, fixture list coming up. I hadn't really dibbled and dabbled, if I'm honest, too much into the short-term goals and assists. But with, with that being increased now, and I think prices lagging behind to reflect that in certain places, um, there's opportunities to do that. So I have a blend between across the board there's there's players that are specifically there for media um there's players now catered for as I say the performance side of things and, and a few spots whereby it's like returns of injuries etc etc yeah i mean you know it's it's an interesting one the injury trading and uh looking at these trends that you kind of mentioned but when you are buying into these trends you're not necessarily looking at the intrinsic value of those players but is it important to have more like of a an exit point or opportunities on some of these players as well yeah agreed um i think there's there's pots uh, spots to pick and also the ability now to put bids in etc and pick them up over a, 
a longer period of time. And again, is another reason that, that brought me back in, in, in recent months is the ability to not have to just sit there and pick a point at this point in time I want to buy. I can actually state a price and say if it's going to take me a week or two to actually pick up those bids, then, then so be it. Uh, the exit point, yeah, agreed with. I normally have a marker in my head as to where uh, someone will be that I would like to leave. Um, I think the hardest thing for most, and there was a recent podcast, uh, someone was talking about the, the illogical nature of waiting for players to go up before buying them. I think conversely, traders also struggle with the ability to cut their losses. So I actually enjoy taking the losses, getting rid of holds I don't want, and those that are increasing and going up are the ones that you want to want to keep there. So it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing process of reviewing where that point of exit may be or, or fundamentally if another opportunity comes along which think is going to return more um, sell and move across yeah i mean there's there's so much to talk about there and we probably will get into more of that stuff in in the rest of the show uh, just before we move on i need to remind you guys that this podcast is sponsored by index gain uh they've recently as you may have seen introduced spread monitoring so buzz uh their buzz bot now uh monitors all the action happening underneath the buy price via the changing player spreads the big spread moves are now posted to our brand new channel uh hashtag premium underscore spreads underscore alert and very soon straight to your phone via notifications for the players you're holding and watching which is awesome and i think um on the thickcast extra recently we were talking about kind of how you can look at these spreads and and think about whether or not these players are going to rise or not without depth it's obviously harder i think the kind of spread notifications here are going to help people trade a lot until we have depth which is which is great from the guys over in index index gain uh, if you guys do want to check out more or find out more about them head over to indexgain.co.uk you get five quid off your first month if you use the code fix 2020 or off your six month membership and a free month if you use the code fix 2020 which is not a bad deal at all uh, question here from Perry Fi from the Fig Des- Discord. You have been on the platform four years and deposited heavily after orderbook implementation. What is it about the orderbook implementation that has attracted your money, and why do you think this is a good bet? I mean, we talked a little bit about the hiatus here, Indexer, but orderbooks was kind of the trigger for you to stop waiting on the sidelines, sidelines, and kind of get back in a bit more heavily. Yeah. Um- one of them crashly put was just the drops that were taking place to me were were, were insane so it looked like uh additional value on top of obviously the the drum that's been banged about the increase in yields and it is true is the the doubling of, of yields in, in places and then obviously prices going down for me it was the intrinsic value of holds and the index obviously the payouts and i know that the change of functionality in order books is had a massive effect and rightly so but the actual intrinsic value of players has probably increased well it has increased with those those yields going up so for me it was an opportunity to come back in that sort of nudged me a bit further to start depositing heavily again because of of that uh, viewed increased value on players but also they it's a matter of time in my belief before they get the functionality right we'll touch on my background in, in fintech and understanding how product roadmaps etc cetera, etc cetera, very difficult to manage and i think you've got that blend um, with order books of football index themselves that have looked at the functionality and the most difficult thing for them to gauge is not how does a button get pressed how does it have an impact it's that psychological effect so the fact that real trade is the sentiment and that in my opinion massively obviously enhanced that the, the, the downslides we saw was this new ability came out and that is order books coinciding with obviously a change in sentiment and it's sort of a runaway train but it looks like things are bedding back in um the truth of it is when they've released functionality like that you are going to lose traders people that sort of don't understand it maybe more um recreational football betters that wouldn't have understood the changes uh, i know of people that that had say smaller end portfolios that just completely left altogether but i think the long run way in which or or, or this paves for when it is right it is huge for football index everyone speaks about nasdaq etc etc and, and that is a game changer so whether we've bottomed out I, I believe that that we have and you've probably as i say lost people that 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 will or won't come back but fundamentally moving forward is is and also that comms that football index put out recently was was a really polished bit of comms them holding their hands up and saying look we got this wrong which is what traders want to hear and hopefully they're going to start to give some time frames roadmaps and actually deliveries on the improvements that are needed yeah we'll talk a, a little bit about the the product roadmap and, and the fintech background in a bit but you know 
is one of the reasons that you deposited at this order book stage because you were like, there's something here. It's not perfect, but this ability to now set the price and actually create a variety of new trading uh, methods and also maybe get big money into the platform that wouldn't have been interested in it in its former state. Was that another appeal? Yeah, 100%. Um, as you state, the sort of abilities to set prices, um, not being reliant solely on on where things are to sell, but also... I suppose as, as sitting in there and actually viewing spreads change, picking up prices as they may drop quite quickly. An example of that, I suppose, would be Ronaldo, the news coming out of him having COVID this week and spread massively widening up, picking up some shares at a price that probably an hour or two later weren't possible is all made uh, able by this. Um, and as you say, that the longer look and root of this is the more institutional traders, people with a pretty big checkbook that are going to want to get involved in this are, are going to demand this functionality to be somewhat more polished than it is now. But but we're on the road there. Uh, definitely on the road, you know. I mean, yeah, as I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of that stuff soon. Uh, we've got a question here from FI Mark. With the recent rises from the drop, would you say this is the best time to deposit? And what players are the best to buy? <laughs> This is cheeky from FI Mark. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is it just an opportunity to pump everyone I hold? No. Um, I mean, fundamentally, people uh, need to look at the right time for them to deposit. To me, it seems so. And I think being on it for years and all those sort of coming in in dribs and drabs, the amount of drops and, and, and so-called crashes that have taken place along that four-year period, they become less prominent once you've seen a few. Um going back to the days of i think when you had the, the griezmann crash and that had knock-on effects and then f for me this was more the crashes caused obviously by the feature set and if the belief of big holders traders are still going to stay in then that's just the short-term impact i've seen some pretty uh thought-provoking tweets of recent times about traders saying exactly that which is don't look at the short term um the long run is that if you believe in the long run, this is just a, a blip in the road and, and actually an opportunity to pick up value where it won't be. And we're already seeing that two weeks down the line. Some of the player prices that have rebounded back up now compared to where you could previously get them. And that from a was there a specific request of, of players there? <laughs> yeah. And um, what players are the best to buy? I mean, you know, from the from the depositing standpoint as well, like you've just talked about how you view this as a bigger opportunity than than ever before. Um, can you go into that a little bit more? Like I'm I'm quite interested to see that, you know, you don't have this kind of regret of not keeping your money in so much because the opportunities are so big maybe you do have the regret yeah, but there's a, there's a little bit, but like for the reasons of uh, i think we like conversed before of, of what i needed to do on a work front moving uh, sectors and stuff at, at the time it seemed right i was uh, moving flat etc um when you look at the returns that would have been there there's obviously regret um but Tying back to your point, I think at the beginning of it's never too late. So it's a case of, yeah, it was a bit of leaving the index regret, but moving forward. I think you had someone recently that was of a similar ilk. Was it Dunwell or someone that had left and now has come back? And, and Dunwell, who was, who was on recently, who actually started depositing a bit more heavier yeah, in, in March. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I say, there's also, for me, how I trade is there's the ability now to set certain points at which i wish to come in or leave trades and just fuck off and leave the index for a day or two which previously wasn't that easy you would actually have to load the app and choose is this the right time i now need to sell so whether i'll stay that disciplined and and, and crack on with the day job as well alongside it is a is a is another question and we laughed and said the fact i'm not sat in an office with everyone around probably makes it easier but but those are the, the key bits and and secondly to that is is that longer run vision and that order books, although should we say implemented in an interesting way, what they're actually the first or footsteps to a, a longer run vision is 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 where we want to be. I mean, just after you talk about kind of like uh, the players, the type of players that you've been buying in in these recent deposits, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the kind of implementation and um, what you thought of it from kind of coming uh, coming back in perspective. Because we know FI have never been kind of like the well oiled machine that maybe we we all have hoped but um they above and beyond have gotten stuff right so you know first and foremost what kind of players have you been looking at since since you've been returned returning and um is there a specific criteria that you've had a thesis of value that you've kind of sought out and then gone and bought those players 
Yeah, I think the beginning of the season is always pretty exciting. You get obviously change of managers, change of philosophy of football. You've got teams that go and make transfers, um, which could have... Well, look at the likes of Everton. People would have laughed if uh, you'd have said middle of last season or whatever, Everton were going to have the start they have, the likes of Hammers, Rodriguez, etc. coming in. Um, wider afield, the likes of... For me, looking at the Juve team, it seems that all of a sudden Aaron Ramsey's got a start in Berth in, in Perlo's team. So his price, in my opinion, doesn't really reflect if someone's starting week in, week out for Juventus. Um, and I suppose a blend across the board. And then fixture-based. So I saw, and I even, dare I say, pumped it earlier, what FI had put out today about Kane. Um, fixture list coming up. And again, that, that ability to look at the games coming up feeds into the team of the month again because even if you don't believe someone's necessarily gonna gonna get particular wins three or four games of, of really high average scores but not necessarily winning at the end of the month may return something hmm. um and you know the order book implementation let's talk a little bit about that like what were you surprised about shocked about what was um you know what have you been your been your thoughts been on that yeah i mean when it obviously came out it was a little bit wild wild west in the sense that all of a sudden all this new functionality was released um traders were left to their own uh, accord and and sort of dare i say hellfire broke loose because all this was available that wasn't sort of necessarily walked in and stepped in and and that then comes back to the difficulties that we were saying of of releasing a, a functionality and actually then understanding because of the market setup the psychological impact that's going to have on traders and decisions and for me, is I personally think one of the difficulties that arose was the obviously increase in play dividends was was, a, was fantastic for traders. For me, the timing of it was quite interesting because you then had this cycle of people, myself included, moving funds into short-term holds. And then shortly after, because of the reaction to order books, the, the 1P floor meant that players uh, or traders had players at prices that they wanted for him play dividends that all of a sudden they couldn't just get rid of as quickly as, as they wanted to. So you ended up with, in my opinion, money stuck in players, which fed into that sentiment of, I can't get my, my out of my trades. Personally, I would have much refer, preferred the, the net uh, buy bonus to have been done at that point instead, because that would have enabled players to or traders to go and pick whoever they want across the market spread and not necessarily force the incentive into players that, or a short-term window because of the increased yields of in-play dividends, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it definitely makes sense. And if I think if FI had their time back, they definitely wouldn't look at in-play dividends uh, being increased by that dramatic uh, a number. I think I understand why they did it. They did it so that um, that play, people would put bids in. But what it actually ended up doing is people started buying from market a lot more on game days rather than accumulating before then. Whereas what we've seen with this first part of the net, bon uh, net, uh, net deposit buy bonus and the second part is that people have started putting more bids in um, and those bids get closer and then the you know sell walls come crashing down and then it starts over the bids start coming back up uh on the players that have wider wider zones it's a bit of a, a game of uh chicken but at the moment the upward trajectory is is winning from that perspective agreed and i think, I think it is difficult whenever anyone's putting a product roadmap out there i know we've spoken in great depth before about world of startups and fin fintechs i suppose the beauty of them which is the important bit is that ability to move at a speed far far quicker than say the traditional online bookies where fi is now if, if a traditional bookie had come up with this concept five years ago they'd probably still be r&ding that that concept right now so football index and startups and fin and fintechs in general have that ability to obviously move quicker that the downside to, to startups from my experience is and again i know we spoke about this before is um everything wishes to be promised it's not malicious and then what happens is it ends up looking at that 20 percent that can be done and that tends to be 10 percent that's shouted about the most and the other 10 percent, which is the easiest to build um world of startups always talk about mvps which is minimum viable product and and quite often <laughs> that does mean that the minimum viable product is launched and then at some point they'll come back and reiterate that but with the world of football index and how many moving pieces there are and how many different feature sets etc being um, shouted for it's a case of um, things get built 
and then they move on and move on and, and build something new and build something new. And I think with all the books, the, um, the impact that actually had across the market, uh, personally, I would have rather seen a more polished version come out in one. But it's easy to say that in retrospect, because prior to that, we were all screaming, when is order books happening? When is order books happening? So, when can we sell? When can we sell? When can we, when can we sell? When can we see it? I think it's, it's it, they were stuck between a, a rock and a hard place, as to speak. And um, unfortunately, I think the MVP that they delivered probably wasn't an MVP. Um, you know, this, especially on the sale order side, I think it was all great on the, on the bid side. And then I think they started realizing that, oh, wow. Well, if we bring in the sell side here, we might see some prices fall. And when they did do it, um, I think they did it just after the 100% increase, which maybe they thought the platform was indestructible at that point. You know, the, the yields are so good that no one would want to sell, uh, which obviously in hindsight seems silly because of the mechanic was, was so broken when it first came in. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes uh, logical thinking can go out the window. Um, so sentiment kicks in and it may not even initially be the individual's own sentiment, but when everyone around them is screaming the same thing and they're seeing obviously prices fall, fall it's very easy just to, to jump ship. Um, I heard stories of people taking like 15, 20% uh, dumping of, of the profit they had just because they didn't know what was going on. And it is, it is difficult to sit there and say, this is going to settle down and in two months or time or it, it's happened quicker than that. It, it's going to start to rebound and bounce back. It is so hard to sit there and just watch prices fall and be like, logically, this is going to be fine. Um, but I think that's something as a community that people will learn to grow numb to, I suppose. And I think they'll learn to to understand a bit more. Uh, we've got a question here uh, from KilpJamFI, kind of touching in your fintech background. We've actually got two or three questions on this. How does your fintech background affect the way that you evaluate Football Index as a company, the changes they make and the challenges that we've faced this year? Yeah, good question. Uh, so probably somewhat feel their pain at times. Um, and the fact that, uh, as I say, that, that ability to move really quick and get features out from a comparison to a traditional bookie is a fantastic thing, but also a thankless task at times because when it goes wrong like it has, you're, you're enemy number, num- number one. Um, what's interesting to me is having a look at sort of the structure of Football Index now is they have got the likes of, ex-market makers on their team so there's clearly a knowledge there i think the difficulty with that is i know that everyone's screaming rightly so for for the likes of market makers to come in football index as an as a trading platform is extremely unique in the sense that it's footballers and it's football at the end of the day so someone who's an experienced market maker and market makers that do come in are not just going to have to have a good knowledge of market making they're going to also have to have a a relatively good knowledge of football and understanding the mechanics and the things that change that actually drive a price and that potentially is part of of the lag in getting them in is the fact that someone's going to come in and obviously put investment and money in they need to know how that market operates inside and out yeah i think one of the things that i get frustrated when i when i see some perspectives on this is when you do when you are on the other side of a startup like you can start a year with some goals or some you know some initiatives and, and some things that you want to get out the door um whether it be from a services or inside you know internal company perspective that just get wiped down when a new opportunity comes uh, to the fore and i think we've seen that with fi more than a lot of companies over the last five years you know there's been needs that have had to be filled um after every step they've taken basically uh, and i'm you know i'm not saying that they've been perfect but it's definitely been a contributing factor to some of this stuff yeah definitely and, and obviously there's there's major major features that we have been and continue to scream out for which are the four at the forefront of everyone's mind and then i suppose in that there's a capacity to only develop a certain amount and small little things go under the radar uh, the stuff of the changing of the wording of match to sold and etc etc are sort of small little touches that, that get lost at times with a with a key roadmap or what, whatever is taking place in terms of their, their, their focus. Um, as I say, I sort of feel the pains, but at the same time, there's from my background of, of fintechs is, is primarily B2B. Um, in some cases, it was B2B to C. The difficulty that I suppose Football Index have is, is that that one change or that piece of change of, of functionality or, or changing of uh, whatever it may be, payouts, dividends, 
it's so hard to gauge that psychological impact on individual traders, which then amasses in places to, to a collective mindset um, and massive changes in sentiment very quickly at times. Hmm. Got a question here from FI Strategist. If you could advise FI on two to three ideas or plans to implement from a fintech perspective, what could they be? Gosh, so many questions. Um, for me, isn't if they don't already do, is I would have someone in house who is somehow trading maybe on a regular basis. I don't know how the regulation on that works and how they would do it, but someone who can sit there and say, before something's launched, this is how I think people are going to react to this. Um, wider a field i don't know if i um place to sort of make judgments on, on how they're, they're operating other than what we see obviously from a, an actual user of the, of the platform their difficulty again in a, this setup of a market situation is the fintechs i've worked at both of them or, or three of them actually have obviously an app experience and what would happen is if a change was going to be made it would be drip fed out to a user base so that they could actually sort of acid test and see the the impact of this with this being a market you can't release functionality to a subset of users so they're actually sort of between a rock and a hard place in the sense that when something does change on the platform it changes for all so it has to be a big bang approach rather than two three months of seeing okay how do five percent of the the trading base react to this we'll up it to 10 we'll up it to 15 uh, which must be a challenge um when looking at changes but isn't, isn't there a potential solution somewhere in between that though you know like right now the only touch points fi have are, are a few surveys and the trader panels with their customers one of my suggestions to to them on another podcast was there should genuinely be a person that they hire who on a weekly basis produces a sentiment report for fi um and this is someone who trawls through twitter the forums slack discord whatever it may be um and looks at the market maybe has a dummy trading account and actually looks at like what is going on and files a report on a weekly basis that the rest of the company or the execs have a have um have a uh, ability to see maybe on a 10 page weekly basis and that's their job to gauge the sentiment of the market because i think that's something that has been a growing gap between fi as a company and its customer base customer base there seems to be um a surprise when things don't go well you know when sell orders came in and uh black sunday i think they were genuinely shocked to see that people were selling when we had these yields and we saw that panic bit of cons from adam where it was like well we might be getting an fta license and and also when yields uh yields go up when prices go down and to me that that showed that they were pretty shocked and surprised it's what what's happened and as a company, you need to minimize the variables of, of the outcomes that can possibly happen when you release something new. And you can only do that by minimizing the potential surprise that you have, right? You shouldn't be surprised when you, when you release something into the, uh, into the world. You should be maybe pleasantly surprised, but that's, that's a best case. Yeah, agreed. And there's no way that football admiring techs are sitting there and going, uh, this could be shit. Let's release it anyway. I yeah. There's obviously a, a shock that comes out and that middle ground of, of uh sort of preempting maybe effects would be exactly as you say is someone that's got the sort of their ear to the ground more conversations with trader panels um but again it is extremely difficult to see how that real market will react when people have their real money in it compared to this is the feature set we're going to launch this is the change we're going to make for me twitter is, is awesome for, for football index like it was, as i say when i started came on and there's some fa fantastic info the downside with twitter when things go wrong is it literally becomes apocalypse now and it's sort of like everyone the negativity feels spreads far quicker than positivity on on, on twitter and when it's positivity it's normally where well, you're pumping players or you're you're trying to encourage buyers just to help yourself and when it's negativity it spreads and you have people shouting i'm taking all my money out and and it has that ability to sit in the middle and sort of amplify the sentiment either way quite mm. rapidly i think the other thing when there is kind of negative sentiment is that little smaller things get picked up on right yeah, okay. uh why hasn't this bit of the app been fixed and why is it whereas like when there is very good sentiment people seem to not really mind if a player's bio is wrong or something like that do you know what i mean definitely yeah it's like the little things uh seem to stand out and and to be fair some of them are fair points um but realistically the, the core issues which have been covered in depth on on your podcast previously and obviously 
uh, elsewhere is is that issue of the liquidity and how that's fixed. How much of what we see now is with sentiment improving, money flowing back in, I think potentially will help, but it is still a stopgap until they get those market makers, etc., to provide that. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot about that in, in the, the rest of this um, podcast. But we've got another fintech related question here from Cheeky mm-hmm. Hammer from the uh, Fig Patreon here. Working in fintech, since FI consider themselves to be a fintech startup, how would you compare how FI is run, founder, product, tech, comms, to other fintechs you've come across of similar size or growth? And does this give you more confidence in the business moving forward or reservations? God, these questions are... Tough. I mean, as I say, my, my my background in fintech is is slightly different. Uh, for me, is the maturity of of football index along that four years it stands out, and I actually think that long run, the view of all the books as this as detrimental and as bad as it has been, will be that something so major went so wrong, but yet we'll look back in six months and go, we are still here, and I believe prices are higher. It's not really my place to 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 make a, a viewpoints on on how it's run without knowing, and I don't know. Um, as I say, I can just leverage my knowledge of, of, of I suppose, the difficulties, positives, and mistakes that fintechs make. Um, so I can't really make a, a judgment on how. I think the one thing, they, as I say, recently they got right was that communication of of we hold our hands up. The era was probably the best I've seen to date, and it obviously after that bedded in. There was a lot better sentiment that eked out and the fact that looking forward was we fucked up we we know we need to fix it and we are going to fix it yeah i think that's one of the things right like it's very easy for someone to sit there and look at things going wrong and be and thinking this is the end of the world but i guess when you have a perspective like yours it's a lot easier to see how one step leads to another and then suddenly we are in this situation from a from a company standpoint yeah, agreed. And it's like a saying I've had at companies we've been in, which is sort of you're flying the plane while building it. The nature of that product set being, uh, it's not, it's five years old now, but the the changes that are made compared to, say, a more established technology, we I see the blessings in it more so, the, the ability to react quicker than it going through a thousand levels of, of tick boxes to even get out the door. Um so for me it's it's the changes that football index can make um and the obviously returns and the opportunities there are, are the biggest benefit the downside of that is the nature of it is there could be big swings at times there could be these events where something's launched and then it has a drastic drastic impact but but overall um as i, said, I sort of feel the pain and i'm sure there's many people listening screaming and shouting and saying it's it's cost a lot of money but tying back into a point again from a recent podcast is looking at it right now it's cost you a load of money but if you look forward into three four five months then it, you're probably going to be in a very different situation yeah yeah all, all really wise words uh got a question here from super super clive son of ivor when fi deliver additional market making capacity do you think they should release details of contractual obligations of those market makers i.e players in scope trigger events target spreads relationship between market makers or even the size of their wallet so how much uh, how many how much of an idea do you reckon we'll have to be blunt, we won't. There's no way that they'll release that sort of information. And if they were going to, then market makers probably wouldn't do it, which is understandable from a, from a business perspective. I think there needs to be some transparency, obviously, around when they come into play. Um, relatively looking at it from a, an established market maker compared to, say, the market cap of football index, we're still relatively small. So hopefully the attractiveness for market makers to come in is the the returns and ability of a growing platform are huge and they probably don't have to actually put in their terms a huge amount of capital to do that um football index no way will will give too many details away um probably from from many many fronts of legalities regulations whatever that may be and obviously the partners they're working with but they do need to make a big noise in my opinion when it does come in um and give clarity on how that's going to be moving forward what what kind of information do you think we'll get about market makers? Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> my background is, to be blunt, my background is as much as I have a keen interest in, in financial markets, etc. And I was recently actually speaking to to a friend of a friend who is a market maker himself, and and his eyes did light up at the the actual uh, 
the concept, which is Football Index. Ironically, he doesn't know much about football, but I couldn't actually answer what they, the details they're going to give. All I can tell you is they're going to probably err on the side of not giving too many specific points away, um, both on their behalf and the fact that the market maker that comes in isn't probably going to want that to be known. What we need as traders is the knowledge that liquidity is going to be there and a market maker or multiple market makers are going to be there to pick that up. Yeah, and you know, perhaps... Uh, maybe they can't give us details on one market maker, but they could give us details on how much uh, liquidity is being provided by market makers in comparison to the market cap or the liquidity provided by traders. Yeah, exactly that. And I meant to before before jumping on here and having a look. So again, I know that there's some awesome work of people on Twitter looking at total market cap, etc. And, and, and giving an indication of sort of the, the percentage of maybe that where market makers are going to come in and pick up and cover when they and how they're going to do it etc etc the overarching details of that we, we do need to know but the specifics of when they're going to act i think they're probably going to be a bit more coy about mm. Mm. i think there is uh, some information that we need and i think some of the stuff that i've mentioned there in terms of percentage of market cap or percentage of liquidity provided i definitely think needs to be needs to be looked at not that someone like betfair or or smarkets uh hide that but like you know when you talk to them or if you know, you talk to people in the know, everyone kind of has that rough idea of how much liquidity is provided. And I think that's quite important. Just before we get into it, I need to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Rising Star Football Edition, the board game of dreams where you have the chance to play out a footballer's career of your own. Win career points, earn money and gain fame, all in the hope of defeating your rivals, having the greatest career and being crowned Rising Star Champion. The Kickstarter campaign is now live where you can score a copy of the game itself for just £30. There are also limited edition rewards available for Kickstarter backers to be sure, so be sure to kick them out. This comes from one of our very own in the community who has used some of their Football Index profits to invest in their dream of creating a board game business so be sure to visit kickstarter and support the campaign today find out more at risingstarfootballedition.com this podcast is also brought to you by the athletic the athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like david ornstein james pierce sam lee and rafa honigstein the athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else no ads or clickbait just great sports writing so for 40 percent of your annual subscription to the best sports writing around go to the athletic.co.uk slash fig it's two pound 99 a month if you go for their annual deal which is a pre decent bargain i think uh anything that's cost you more than two pound 99 recently indexer what do you mean in general yeah 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 what have you bought recently that cost more than two pound 99 i think i've been shopping a few times (laughs) train ticket i don't don't know i really uh many many things That's such a wide question. Oh, mate, this is this is just the, the specifics of, of fintechs and and also being asked to read <laughs> Linux. And now, what if I spent this more than two ninety nine? But no, it sounds like a it's a great deal. <laughs> it's a great deal. It's just some uh, some great marketing for myself. Um, Fi headhunter here from the Fig Discord. Do you think the market needs a share split in the next six months? And do you think we will get one? If we do get one, what effect do you see it having on the market? Do I think it needs one? Uh, we not traders always love them they don't really have much downside um again proof realistically there of the psychological impact in in changing the player pricing which fundamentally hasn't changed much other than the fact that they're cheaper and obviously but from a again psychological impact that has is it does make players look even more cheaper and attractive for me personally is i'm more concentrated on the mechanics of the order books and 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 getting that that right um but I think the answer is everyone loves a share split when it comes in. It seems to to help generate generate growth. Um, would I say it's absolutely needed in that right now? Not necessarily. Mm. Mm. I think, you know, could it be something that is, you know, used to help propel momentum in the index though? I mean, yeah, we we talk about kind of having this negative sentiment uh, after sell orders and, and people can forget about negative sentiment very quickly, but for us to get on the correct trajectory as soon as possible, maybe one comes sooner than we think. Yeah. The, the dream would be we've, we're fixing all the books. Here's when NASDAQ is launching and here's a share split to put the uh, cherry on the ice in the cake. Hmm. <laughs> I've got a question here from. (laughs) I I agree. Uh, Unless we see prices fly, but let's see, you know. Uh, FI Gardener, how much more money would have to flow into FI before we stop talking about the lack of liquidity? 
again, probably, and I won't pretend to be placed to answer exactly that, but dovetailing back into what we were saying earlier, I think they do need to give an insight into the percentages of, say, market cap. Um, there's probably some far more intelligent people than I there across the, the Twitter sphere that would have an indication of market cap, what sort of money could come in. Um, that also needs an ability to sort of sentiment to, uh, to sit back down and actually see some natural trading going on since order books launched it's been a bit carnage i think with international breaks over games coming back and and i still think the market are to wake up and realize that that increase in dividends is pretty huge in, in many places um but i couldn't answer how much money needs to come in um, mm. it's probably far smarter than i people that have been on your podcast recently <laughs> give a better insight into that and i'm not going to put a figure out there I think it's more important that um, it's not how much money it's what, as we were talking about previously, it's what percentage of the market is fueled by market makers rather than the money that comes in as like a, you know, I, I could sit here and say, well, another 50 million maybe makes it a lot more liquid. But does that mean you're going to be able to sell, um, you know, Eric Dyer at, at a whim? Probably not. Um, do you know what I mean? And I think a lot of other people, a lot of people seem to think that if we have real a, a lot of liquidity that was you know as it was provided by fi before with with instant sell it will mean that every single player on the platform will have a, a tight spread which is not necessarily the case no agreed it, just because there's say a pool of, of funds there to be used doesn't mean it's all just going to get chucked in overnight and the index is going to obviously fill that investment it's more the fact that it's there ongoing and when it's needed um I sort of tracking back a bit for the trigger points that you said and 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 in the right circumstances that the market maker is, is going to pick that up where and when needed. The knowledge that it's there, first and foremost, would be great. Yeah, it's actually coming, it's happening. And then secondly from that is obviously a bit more insight into volumes and, and, and what it's going to provide. Mm. Um, got a question here from uh, old man FI. I mean, actually, just before we get into that, uh, Indexer, I just wanted to ask a follow-up. You know, the lack of liquidity that we've st- st- uh, been talking a lot about here on the show recently and a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about, does it concern you or is it actually for you an opportunity to potentially trade within the illiquidity to maybe get some quite reasonable returns? Yeah, definitely. Like, so for me, obviously capitalized on a bit of it de- depositing uh, more in recent times than there was a downturn it should be a concern for all because it is an issue when it becomes to the forefront like it has recently it's a real issue that can't get fixed instantly overnight um but taking that mind of sight and, and looking into it that these funds these players are going to stay there for said amount of time is it's a case of really is the question is do we trust and believe that fi are going to get it fixed in the short term I think they're at a point that they now have to. They have to do something about it. It's been well-documented, well-talked about. They've had trade panels with, you, with yourselves and others about it, and I'm sure they really do realise that the requirement for, for liquidity is needed to be there. So it is a concern, but do I think that, again, six months down the line, um, something will have been done about it? Yes. I think we all, we all hope it has. <laughs> Got a question here from Old Man FI from the Discord. How do you both go about projecting potential PB returns from non-PB players moving to PB leagues? For examples, being the potential transfer of Ben Rama to West Ham or the transfer of Eze to Palace. So this could obviously go one or two ways. You know, you can go the Bruno Fernandez route, or I mean, I could name loads of other players that were coming from top five, le- uh, from non-top five leagues and done quite well. Is this a, an area that you t- uh, look to trade in a lot? It's not personally, but in terms of the sort of access to, to data out there, there is data sets of players that are playing in non-PB leagues. I suppose it fundamentally comes down to do you believe the transfer is going to happen? Um, we've seen the likes of players succeed uh, and come across from those leagues. Um, I can definitely see a massive value in you getting it right. Just for me and my trading strategy, it isn't something that I, that I tend to focus on. Hmm. And, you know, like when you are looking at players like Ben Rama and, and Eze, is it is it hard to project how well they'll do in, in a league that's above a standard they've played in before? Yeah, and I think there's obviously two sides to it is if they're coming to the Premier League, there's also the media side of things. If they're moving from a non-PB league to, say, uh, I don't know, La Liga, the, the change in price and the change in their value is slightly different. You only I have think. one variable to think about, right? Well, exactly. Someone who's playing in a non-PB league coming to potentially the Premier League, 
the downside to them not moving is 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 pretty big. The fact that if someone's a, a non-PB player but moving to again one of the other four leagues, um, it's a slightly different uh, analysis of of the up and downside there. Mm. Um, fundamentally, if you get them right, there's a huge opportunity there. Absolutely. I mean, Bruno Fernandes is, is a great example of that. And maybe Ben Rama will be. Who knows? Uh, West Ham fans, that seems to be uh, on and off every single day now. Uh, dream is to move from a non-PB league to United and be penalty taker. <laughs> Not exactly a bad switch. Exactly, exactly. Um, got a question here from Divi Rascal. How has your strategy changed over the four years on the platform and what, what influenced these changes? I mean, you've, you've touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to hear more. So, yeah, I suppose the change for me was beginning with it was media only and not even the ability to to, to get out of holds there and then um you've then seen the likes of cpb come in and the maturing of that my strategy has changed in the sense that when i was first starting out um i would use the term of probably going balls deep into trades so at one point i had like a two or three player portfolio worked out pretty well because back then I remember times like the news broke of say Lukaku going to United managed to get the news right at the point in time and then had around about 40% of my portfolio go into him um but the change for me and potentially for many others as well is I've just diversified that risk across the board like this is the first time I've probably felt comfortable leaving my portfolio and saying if I don't look at it for two three weeks I'm actually quite happy of that um there's a blend there of the changes because of the different ways to earn returns on on football index but also i suppose it was a, a case of individual traders or individual traders they will set up a portfolio and a trading strategy unique to themselves for me part of coming back is that ability to to actually take a view i have more players now than i've ever had before and spread that risk across the board I actually don't really go near transfers too much anymore, which may sound mad to many, but for me, the downside, if you don't get it right, is is pretty big at times. Yeah, I mean, there is that ability now to not only hold for weeks at a time, but actually trade for weeks at a time without looking at the the index, right? You can, as you mentioned, have bids in and uh, offers in at at various different points and just be like, well, I don't have to look at this for a week and I'll, I'll come back to it. Yeah, exactly. There was a, there was a really good point, and forgive me, I can't remember who made it uh, online. And one of the questions was around the ability to say people have said funds in their football index account. Would there be the ability for them to put in multiple bids on players that exceed the capital they have in there, and then would get hit one by one? That itself may solve some of the issues on a minor end of liquidity. My question would be is what's the impact once someone hits or the capital they have free and the rest of the bids are then pulled away? It's kind of like fake liquidity as well, isn't it? Agreed. From a trading perspective, it would be awesome to say these are, and looking at as I I normally do is I'll, I'll normally put milestones down of events coming up or players at prices that I would like to get them. To be able to sit there and say, and maybe if I could do it in a way that they would enable, say, 2x the capital you actually have to sit there in bids again that concern of what happens when they're filled and the rest of the bids are pulled away um but that that ability to actually sit there and and say these are theories i have across the board and i'm happy for any of them to be picked up at that price is something obviously new Mm. it's interesting isn't it like something like that um is is like a, a good idea but i think with depth and with more market makers and liquidity coming in i think i think it's perfectly reasonable to want something like that yeah agreed and, and bid depth's huge that's going to solve so many so many issues it will the big swings we saw and definitely the the as i say the wild west at the beginning where people could create massive uh changes with a relatively small amount of volume that would still have been a problem but to be able to see transparently into what was causing that should and would have made a difference the knowledge that this isn't everyone um shaking the bed and, and going away it's it's one or two traders with a relatively small amount of volume and what would have actually happened is those low prices would have been picked up quite quickly and, and the per- people that or the traders that put the bids out would have ended up losing them quite quickly and you'd have seen a bounce back but the fear that was there was how how deep is <laughs> how deep is this sell-off and we don't know yeah, we had no idea. And that was the main reason. And I think it's really important. I don't really like talking about 
things too much in, in hindsight but black sunday will prove like such an amazing learning experience for a lot of people but also for fi it's like now they're building their product to prepare for that never to happen again if that makes sense definitely and the change they've brought in there's not going to be many changes that are that drastic all in one go um once this beds in once they make the improvements they need to and quickly um it's to my memory i struggle to other than when they were increasing and obviously changing the dividend structure the fact that all of a sudden every single player is impacted by this by this feature change and i don't think there was a fantastic information source around educating people as to what that change meant and and how it was going to impact potentially was there um i know that you've touched upon that yourself um and that's another lesson is is when something like this is going to be be implemented have the resource available for both the joe blogs trader alike and and everyone else in the, f- the community to actually read into this and do research as to, to how and what that is going to actually change precisely precisely uh, got a question here from fi mustard from the fig discord uh, what ux feature would you most like to see on the fi app mm-hmm. good question uh to be honest with you the sort of changes that they're making i'm I now use the desktop or the, the, the browser version quite a bit. And I think as things such as bid depth comes in further down the line, those sort of insights are going to be very difficult to put within an app that are actually actionable and readable. Um, I don't actually have a good answer to that question as to what I would change from a UX perspective, um, which is a really, really bad answer, right? I hadn't, I should have looked at that before and come up with something. <laughs> I mean, there there are so many that we could kind of think of. I mean, um, in terms of FIU user experience, some of the issues that we actually saw on Black Sunday were a user experience point. The 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 valuation of the buy price, the valuation of portfolios, definitely drove fear. You know, um, maybe even like a a um, you know a, a little button to show what the average price of the the shares on offer and bid are or whatever like a a foe like a false uh, indicator of depth there are so many different things that fi could use from a ux standpoint i think for me once we get past the stat at this point of kind of uh, nasdaq coming in and all these uh uh chinks in the armor being uh unraveled uh from a order book standpoint from a liquidity standpoint and all that jazz i think one of the things i really want to see is kind of the ability to personalize portfolios right um being able to put tri- uh, players in different subsections or portfolio you know, long-term holds short-term hold medium term players you're not uncertain about etc uh and all that stuff i think will be really really great and agreed and while i've stalled there and, and taken your answer i do have an answer now which is <laughs> little little uh, annoyances such as the ability to potentially see how many of your holds are actually still uh, viable or or eligible for uh, IPDs, like I mean stuff like that, which just stops us scrolling back through uh, transaction history to then make a note of when and where they were bought. I think more complex ones will always be difficult to have. I love the idea you've just said around the you being able to actually sculpt and move move your portfolio into. To different positions but i know for me it's always a bugbear when i've got eligible players for for in play and actually have to go back and find out what was the the date that they were born hmm. uh, one final question here from fi lewin uh, it's october 2021 what does football index look like well hopefully it's gone up a shed load more hopefully <laughs> we have an insight into to when nasdaq is, is, is coming in or it is like cemented market makers and liquidity is there um i'm sure there'll be a there always is breakthrough players that that come through um for me i would be happy with all the issues we've recently faced in the last month if all of those were sorted and ticked we'd be in a very 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 good position and i think that'll be done well ahead of october 21 hope fingers crossed Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Uh, it's been awesome having you on finally, mate. Four years in the making. Uh, I think you're alongside Lee B, my two kind of most uh, long-standing guests that I wanted to get on uh, alongside EJ, which hasn't been so successful so far. Um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, on Twitter, uh, Football Index uh, is the, the handle. Um, I'm not quite as well-established as yourself yet with podcasts <laughs> and all that like, so... The Joe Rogan of the Football Index world. Ah, oh, too so. kind. Give him a follow, guys. Get him there. <laughs>
thank you very much everyone for listening if you're commuting right now then i hope you guys are staying safe washing your hands and all that good stuff if you're not commuting then stay safe at home uh doing whatever you're doing shout out to the non-commute crew sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions there was as always quite a few and remember football index is a gambling platform only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops thank you very much everyone for listening and see you next week